Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy 4, not 1 Timothy, but 2 Timothy 4. And as you're turning there, I was asked this week, once again, why we are kind of going through this series that we're going through. And I believe I shared the reason in our first message, I think about three weeks ago. It's to provide you with a philosophy of joining or leaving a church. And yes, there have been people who have left our church, especially since COVID, a number of folks. And yet at the same time, we've had some who have joined us. And that's all a part of the grace and faithfulness of our God. But we want to help you think through all of that, the elders and myself. And that's why we're going through this series. And so I trust that you're at 2 Timothy 4 this morning. If you remember last week, we saw that the church's priority is what? It's a worship. Absolutely. It's to worship God. And a part of that is worshiping in truth. As Jesus conveyed to the Samaritan woman, which happens through the revealed word of God, the scriptures. Jesus spoke about that in John 4, 24, also in 5, verse 39. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify about me. Well, Paul addressed this importance with Timothy here in 2 Timothy 4. And I want you to follow with me as I read the first five verses. I solemnly charge you... In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His peering and kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their hearts from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word there. At this particular time, the apostle is in his second Roman imprisonment, and he is about to die. He says that there in verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. And so there was an urgency for him to shepherd this young pastor in Ephesus on matters in which to be faithful. And of utmost importance was the teaching of God's Word. You see this throughout the letter. I want you to look with me just as we walk through this letter. How significant this is. Chapter 1 in verse 8. Paul says to Timothy, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, His prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. 
Look at verses 13 and 14 of chapter 1. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Look at chapter 2 in verse 2. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Look at verses 9 and 10. For which I suffer hardship. He's talking about the gospel there in verse 8. Even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen. Look at verses 14 and 15. Remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words which is useless and leads to the ruin of hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Look at verses 24 and 25. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient went wrong, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. Look with me at chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. This all leads to our present text closing the letter to preach the word. That's what we see there in chapter 4 in verse 2. It's the culmination of what Paul told Timothy and is the main charge in the first five verses. Everything flows into and out of verse 2. He called him, that is Timothy, to herald the word, the Greek word there is caruso. Just like an imperial messenger for the king in New Testament times who is to make sure that everybody heard and understood the king's policies, the laws, maybe events that were to take place. This imperial messenger would go out throughout the community and someone would uh, blow a trumpet and it would bring the people together. And that's where he would proclaim the things of the king. Well, Timothy was to do such for the king of kings, as it says here, by being ready in season and out of season. That is at any time, welcomed or not. (laughs) And a lot of times it's not welcomed, but you're to be ready at any given time. Think about this. Timothy was a young man who was timid. It tells us that very thing there in chapter 1 in verse 7. He was facing persecution. He was facing false teaching both outside and in the church. And the temptation for him would be to draw back and be ashamed. In fact, the Apostle Paul talked about that in chapter 1, verses 6 through 18. Don't be ashamed. Essentially, Paul said, don't do that. 
But instead, mark your preaching with reproof, rebuking, exhortation. In other words, don't be afraid to point out sin. To call people to repentance and encourage them to follow God's precepts, which are clearly found in His Word. And He was to do this, how? What does the text say there? With great patience and instruction. Sometimes the people of God don't listen. Or they respond poorly. But the man of God is not to quit. (laughs) He's to keep on lovingly dispensing the truth and trusting God to change hearts because he can't. He's called to proclaim the word. And what did Jesus pray? Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So he's called to preach the word. And it is God who changes hearts. And it doesn't always happen right away. (laughs) It takes time. Don't quit. Keep at it with great patience and instruction. What you see there in verse 2 has five commands indicating how important this is. And beloved, I do understand how important this is. Really, this message is for me this morning. (laughs) I'm sort of preaching to myself here to preach the word. In fact, the brother here who put this pulpit together has a little plaque on the back of this pulpit preach the word (laughs) so every time i come in here on sunday mornings i see that plaque and i'm reminded that this is what i'm to be about the first couple days this week i could sense the force of this passage on my own heart and god forgive me i have never preached on this passage of scripture can you believe that I've not preached on this passage. This is what I'm instructed to do. Here I am preaching to you every week, and here's the message for me. And so I've felt the full force of this message on my own heart throughout this week. I've told my wife that a couple of times. You know, beloved, evangelical churches are getting further and further away from preaching the Word. Because some have become seeker-sensitive. Oh, yeah. They're concerned about what unbelievers think of how church should be done. Think about that. They're even taking surveys from unbelievers as to how church should be done. Really? All we have to do is look at the Word of God, and it will tell us how church is to be done. If you were to ask an unbeliever, it's not going to be what the Bible calls us to do. That's for sure. Others are becoming emergent. They want to become more relevant. They're concerned about being too absolute and judgmental. Well, If you're concerned about that, you won't be rebuking, you won't be reproving. No, that's going to go away. Then there are some who are swaying out of a fear of man on worldly issues of abortion, transgenderism, same-sex marriage, gender neutrality, LGBTQ, all of those things. But I will tell you, if churches are truly worshiping God. And let me repeat that. If churches are truly worshiping God, they will faithfully proclaim the word. And if you're a part of a church that does such, it's a good reason to stay. (laughs) It is. And so today from this text, 
I want you to see three reasons for preaching the word so that you might capture the importance and necessity of it for a church and stay committed to one that does such. Actually, I could share five reasons (laughs) for preaching the word, which extends actually back to verses 16 and 17. I mean, the first reason for preaching the word is because it's been spoken by God, right? Isn't that what it says there? All scripture is inspired by God. It's been breathed out by him. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. It's been spoken of by God. I'm not here to proclaim my thoughts, my opinions. In fact, I was in a barber shop here not too long ago. And uh, the barber who was cutting my hair said, so what do you do? (laughs) And I said, well, I preach the word. Oh, you're a pastor? I said, I am. And the first thing he says, well, forgive me for saying some of the things I just said. (laughs) Because he was swearing and things of that nature. And I just told him, I said, hey, don't worry about me. All of us one day are going to have to stand before the Lord. And we're going to have to give an answer to him. He got real quiet. But he says, you know, I got a question for you. You know, I marvel at you guys, how you can just somehow put together something every week. What are you sharing? I mean, really, how how do you do it? I just said, I just open up the Bible and take the next passage and preach on it. That's what I do. Okay. I'm not there to speak my opinions, my thoughts. I'm here to preach God's word. It's already been spoken. All he wants me to do is to share it, to deliver it. All right. But there's another reason there in the rest of verses 16 and 17 as to why we should preach the word is because it sanctifies the people of God. Yeah, it sanctifies the people of God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped For every good work. Yeah, it sanctifies the people of God. You got two right up front, right there. But we're looking at chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. And he goes on to share three more reasons as to why the man of God is to preach the word of God. Look with me at verse 1. I solemnly charge you. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom. We'll stop right there. What do you capture in that first verse? We're to preach the Word because it is serious before God. It is serious before God. Verse 1 modifies and leads into verse 2. I solemnly charge you, dot, 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 preach the word. (laughs) Timothy, this is serious business. One commentator said it's like Paul is grabbing Timothy by his shirt collar and saying, preach the word. (laughs) It's serious. The apostle here in the presence of God, who sees all, who hears all, is calling him to this important task because he's been commissioned by God. 
Paul told Timothy that back in chapter 1 and verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And thus, he will be held accountable for fulfilling it. That's right. This is serious. As Paul said, when Jesus Christ appears or when he returns and soon thereafter establishes his kingdom, he will judge his people for their faithfulness in following and living for him. That's what it says there. Who is to judge the living and the dead, both by his appearing and his kingdom. Now, I believe that what Paul is referring to here is the Bema or judgment seat of Christ, where Christians will one day be judged for their works. I say that because of what Paul alluded to down in verses 7 and 8. Look down a little bit further. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul also spoke to this with the church at Corinth. He did this a couple of times, both in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 11 to 15, and also in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 8 to 11. In fact, I want you to go to that 2 Corinthians passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, holding your space here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Beginning with verse 8. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He's talking to the church at Corinth. When he says all, he's talking about all Christians. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. And so what the apostle was doing in our present text was persuading Timothy. Yeah, out of a fear of the Lord. He wants him to see how high and how serious his calling is to preach the word and be faithful to it. That's what he's saying there in verse 1. You know, when I was a boy growing up, one of my responsibilities, actually it was the responsibility of both my brother and I to mow the lawn and to rake it. And I can remember my dad getting up one morning before going to work and he looked out at the yard and he says, it looks like the lawn needs to be mowed. Okay. Well, my brother and I just went and had fun on that Saturday, just goofing around with our friends. And then later on that afternoon, I came home It was just before my dad was to get there. And my mom said, you know, you didn't mow the lawn. 
And I said to her, well, he just said, it looks like it needs to be mowed. (laughs) And her words to me were, you wait till your dad gets home. He'll want to talk with you about this. And that he did. He walked in the door and the first words that came his mouth, looks like the lawn wasn't mowed. And I said, well, dad, you just said, it looks like it needs to be mowed. He says, so when were you to do that? You know, tomorrow's church. So you're not going to have time then. And then school happens all week long. You're involved in sports, so it's not going to get done then. So you mean we're going to have to wait till next Saturday before the lawn is mowed? And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, wow. He says, you know, the grass is going to be much higher. And back in those days, okay, I was 13 or 14. We didn't have the gasoline-powered mowers. We had those blade rotillary ones where you just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like that. And so I'm thinking about all of this. And, you know, being in my dad's presence and answering for my responsibility was very, very daunting, okay? He always had this scowl on his face when he talked to me. And my wife knows about that because she says sometimes I, I carry that scowl as well. <laughs> Well, think how much more it should be with God. Huh? Timothy will not have to answer to Paul in the end. He's going to have to answer to God. And so, beloved, pray for me as your pastor to preach the word and to be faithful to God. I've been asked by a number of you many times, how can I pray for you, Pastor? That's it right there. That will be faithful to preach the word. Also, may you be committed to the church of which you are a member if it is preaching the word. You preach the word because it is serious before God. He's capturing his attention with that right off the bat. Now to another reason. He goes on there in verses 3 and 4. And we see this. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. What is captured here? It's this. You preach the word because of the straying from God. Yeah. You preach the word because of the straying from God. The question here is, who are the ones straying from God? That's an important question when you look at these verses. Who are the ones straying from God? It's interesting here. That there is no antecedent for they and their. All of a sudden you see there in verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Who are the they? Well, Timothy was called to preach the word. And the setting where he would primarily do this is in the church there at Ephesus. That's where. Now, I will say this, believers can stray from the truth, but it's only for a season. In this passage, however, it seems that Paul is referring to those who had attached themselves to the church, professing to be believers, 
but eventually revealing that they are not. Holding your space here, go with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. You know this text. This parable is repeated in all the synoptic gospels. Jesus is talking about sowing seed, which is sowing the word of God. And he gives the parable. But then he goes on to explain the parable. Beginning there in verse 20. And I want you to see this. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. You see, as Timothy faithfully preached sound doctrine, healthy teaching, which includes reproving, rebuking, exhorting, instructing the very word of God, there would come a time and it was already upon him that these professing Christians would not be able to endure it. They wouldn't be able to bear it. They wouldn't be able to tolerate it. And so they would look to find themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Those who would put up with their ungodly lusts. That's what it means. And tickle their ears to tell them what they wanted to hear. And as a result, they would turn themselves away from God's truth and be led to embrace myths. In other words, stories, half-truths, religious falsehood, anything that would make them feel good and comfortable. The idea here is that they would become spiritually dislocated. You know, I appreciate what John MacArthur said here. Many churches today are filled to overflowing with those who want their ears tickled with the myths of easy believism and the many variations of selfism and so-called positive thinking. They come to have their egos fed and their sins approved, not to have their hearts cleansed and their souls saved. They want only to feel good, not to be made good. Tragically, such myths serve to religiously insulate people from the true gospel and drive them still further from the Lord. Yeah. I want you to look with me at Paul's words to the elders of the church at Ephesus some 30 years earlier. Go back with me to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. He's on the uh, island of Miletus and he calls for the elders of the church at Ephesus to come and he has this elders retreat and he shares these words with them. In Acts 20, verses 27 to 31, look at what he says. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. 
Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock and from among your own selves. Men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears. How about John's words to some churches at the end of the first century? First John 2 and verse 19, where it says, They went out from us because they were not of us. Had they been of us, They would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that it might be manifest that they were not all of us. These are the people to whom Paul is referring here in verses 3 and 4. And so, beloved, if the pastor and church focus on the preaching of the word, it will expose nominal Christians. They will... Either stray or by God's grace, they will repent. But it will strengthen true Christians. They will be kept from straying. Amen and amen. And really, this is what we want, right? We want to be kept from straying. And if we got people amongst us who profess salvation, we want them to repent. And if they don't repent, eventually they'll leave because the light is being exposed on their heart and they don't want that. They want to leave. And so examine your hearts right now. Do you want to hear the preaching of God's word? Even if it makes you feel uncomfortable and exposes sin. Do you want to hear The word preached. I trust you do. I trust you do. Because that's the kind of church to which you should remain committed. That's right. You preach the word because it's serious before God and because of the straying from God. And he's not done yet. He goes on. Verse 5. To give us a final reason. And says this to Timothy. But you. Be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. What is emphasized here? I mean, he gives four more imperatives. We saw five in verse two. Now he gives four more here In verse 5. That's 9 altogether. What is emphasized? It's this. You preach the word because it's being steadfast for God. It's being steadfast for God. In this verse, verse 5, Paul was completing what he just said to Timothy. But was also introducing the reason For doing such, because you see there in verse 6, it starts with for. We could translate, translate that as because. 
Paul here was about to die and he wanted to be an inspiration to this young man to persevere for God as he preached the word. Well, this would mean that Timothy had to be what? What does the text say there? To be sober, clear-headed, not intoxicated, so to speak, by all that was going on around him, as we see there in verses 3 and 4. He had to be sober. And so he needed to have his mind continually in the truth of God's word and communicating it first to himself and then to others. Also, he would have to endure hardship, be willing to embrace evil treatment from others. We call that what? Persecution. Persecution. That's right. That was going to happen for preaching the word. It was already happening. In fact, note the counsel that Paul gave Timothy earlier. Look with me back at one eight. We saw this earlier, but this is what he says to him. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Look at 2.3. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Look at verses 8 to 10. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment, as a criminal. And I love this. But the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen. Look at chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions and sufferings such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, whatever persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Paul was experiencing it for preaching the word. And certainly, (laughs) Timothy was going to be persecuted as well. He's telling him, endure hardship. Embrace the ill treatment of others. And you want to know something? Timothy did endure. Did you know that? Shortly after this, he was imprisoned for being faithful. And Hebrews 13 and verse 23 tells us that he was being released from prison. So yes, he endured hardship. He was faithful. But then the apostle told this young man to do the work of an evangelist. Yeah. As he preached the word, he was to remember the lost and to proclaim the gospel. Especially the professing Christians. The nominal Christians that are mentioned there in verses 3 and 4. They were looking for preachers who would tell them what they wanted to hear and not confront their sin. But you need to do the work of an evangelist and reach out to them with the truth. They need to be saved. They need to see their sin. And finally, Paul closed by saying, fulfill your ministry. That is complete what God has called you to do. And what is he called to do? To shepherd the flock of God. 
And how do you shepherd the flock of God? <laughs> By bringing the word of God to bear upon their hearts and minds. You see, that's feeding them. That's guiding them. That's protecting them. The apostle here wanted Timothy to say with him, I have fought a good fight. I have fought a good fight. Paul was faithful. He wanted Timothy to be faithful. And beloved, I want to be faithful as your pastor. And so pray that God will help me to be steadfast for him. Actually, praying verse 5 on my behalf. You know, I've asked you to pray for me, to preach the word, but let's get a little bit more specific, okay? So pray with me, verse 5, on my behalf. (laughs) That I will be sober, enduring hardship, doing the work of evangelists, fulfilling my ministry as I preach the word. What a text of scripture this is, isn't it? Wow. It's powerful. Paul here pointed out three, actually five, (laughs) solid reasons for preaching the word. It's been spoken by God. It sanctifies the people of God. It is serious before God. It is because of the straying from God. And it's being steadfast for God. And yes, when the pastor is faithful to his responsibility, there will be flack. And oh, yes, I have received flack for this over the years. You don't see it. I get it in emails or through phone calls or when I'm sitting down having a lunch with somebody. Yes, you'll receive flack. But one pastor shared this concerning the preaching of Harry Ironside. Just listen to this. He sometimes received letters from people, invariably, people he didn't know personally who would say, I resent your personal attack on me last Sunday. I don't like your preaching. And I don't think you had any right to expose me in the way you did. I don't know who's been talking to you about me. And invariably, they close by saying, it's not true. His comment was, if you throw a stone into a pack of dogs and one of them yelps, you know who got hit. Yeah. (laughs) Right. They got hit. And so, beloved, if you feel like stones are coming from the pulpit at times, just know it's the Spirit of God working in your heart through the man of God as he preaches the Word of God. All right? It's not me. I'm just the servant delivering the meal on a plate for you. It's the Spirit of God who reaches down into your heart and transforms you. And yes, in that process, it will hurt. Because He's going to expose sin and call you to repentance and change you by His grace. Isn't that what you want? Of course you do. I believe that about you. And so don't take it personally. Take it to the Lord, not your pastor. And repent. That's the kind of church to which you should want to remain committed. That's right. Well, the book that we have available for you talks about these various things. It does. 
I am a church member. If you have not picked one up for you and your family, please do at the end of this service. They're in the foyer. They're in the back. It's one per family, okay? In fact, I would encourage you fathers to take your families through this little book together. Do it over a couple of weeks. And as a church, as a family within the church, asking God, how do you want me to act? How do you want me to respond as a member of my church? God will use it to change your hearts. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. And oh God, help me. God, I'm ashamed that I have not preached on this passage before. But I'm thankful for the work that you've done in my own heart throughout this week. And I pray that you'll continue to do so. Because I know, Lord, my tendencies. I know that, God, I can be timid at times. The fear of man gets a hold. And so forgive me for that. And help me to preach the word for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.